Hey, you guys can be seated. Welcome back. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Did everybody have a good break, good holiday season, good Christmas season? Awesome. Are we happy to be back in school? Not really. Some yes, some no. That's normally how it goes. Some people are happy to be back in a rhythm because break around your family is insane. And then other people are just not about classes and all that being back. So I feel that. Um, did anybody get any good Christmas presents? All right. Yep, let's let it out. Did anybody, did anyone, I knew it was coming at some point today. I just didn't realize it'd be so soon. Um, did anybody get any good uh, physical Christmas gifts? Shout it out. Socks, all right. I love it. Can anyone beat socks? Underwear. Underwear, even better. Can anyone beat underwear? Flannels, all right. Yep, it's flannel season. Hey, um, can I, can I one-up every one of you in the room? Like, I don't know what kind of Christmas present you ended up with, but I'm just going to do it. I'm going to one-up. Is that okay? All right. The Jaguars made the playoffs, but that is not it. Thank you, Brock. No one cares. Oh, uh, this is my Christmas gift. Wow. I apologize it was upside down because that changes everything with these pictures. Oh, this is a baby. I made this alongside of my beautiful wife, Aaliyah. Um, we, we are so excited and wanted to share it with all of you guys. Um, and so we, um, you know, wanted to bring you all in the loop, but just would ask that you guys would continue to pray. Um, so our baby, matter of fact, we know the gender. This is crazy. Uh, team boy? Anybody? Okay, wow. Uh, team girl? Guess you just want your own gender, sounds like how it goes. It is a girl. So... Yeah, we are super, super excited, um, but would really invite you guys, uh, just would love for y'all to pray alongside of us. Um, so far, everything is perfectly, she's perfectly healthy. We had an ultrasound actually today, and she was like dancing in there. I mean, it was crazy. So uh, just would love for you guys to pray alongside of us, and we're super excited for, uh, for all of that. So she'll be due in July, and uh, you can meet her in the fall. So can't wait. Um, well, let's jump into God's Word tonight together. Uh, we're going to be starting our time together uh, this semester with a sermon series that we're calling Resolute. Resolute. We just went through that New Year's season, and I know that is like New Year's resolution season. The word resolute, the word resolution, they both have the same root word, and that's the word resolve. Resolve means to stand firm, like to make a decision that you're going to plant your feet in something and be unmovable in that area, which is why we make New Year's resolutions. And what we're going to be talking about over the course of the next two weeks is we're going to be talking about two of the best resolutions that you can make as a follower of Jesus in 2023. Two of the best resolutions that you can make as a follower of Jesus in 2023. And tonight, we're going to be talking about the resolution of prayer. We're going to be talking about prayer tonight. We're going to be talking about how you can resolve to be prayerful people. Do you guys know that God moves when people pray? 
Like, we, we don't just pray because, like, it, it looks good. Like, literally, when we pray, you are moving the heart of God. You have a one-on-one audience in that moment with the creator of the universe. Like, I don't know that we grasp that as fully as we should. Like, literally, there was not... Y'all see the weather today? It's kind of crazy. Some of y'all thought revival wasn't going to happen, but it did. There was not a single raindrop that fell today that God did not allow to fall exactly where it felt or where it fell. Like, that's crazy to wrap your mind around. And that's the God that when we pray, we have an audience with. Like, prayer is a big, big deal. And some of you, maybe you have made the resolution in 2023 that you want to get closer to God, that you want to experience him more. Well, scripture is clear that if we draw near to God, that he will draw near to us. First John chapter five says that when we pray, God hears us. And so I just want to tell you, if that's you, like if you said, man, in 2023, I want to get closer to God. I want to experience him more. You can experience as much of God as you make space for. And prayer is an incredible way to make space for experiencing God. And so I'm so excited to jump in uh, into this topic with you. We've been asking this question at Christ's Place uh, starting the new year, and you're going to continue to hear it at Revive. And if you attend one of our Christ's Place campuses, we're asking this question, what could God do? What could God do? What could God do if, if his people came together in prayer? If his people came together in one heart, in one mind, committed to him and fulfilling the mission that he has given us on this earth, what could God do? And tonight, I want to ask you that question, what could God do if we, as a room full of hundreds of college students, if we resolve to be prayerful people in 2023, what could God do? What could God do in your own individual life? What could God do in your church? What could God do in this ministry if we all resolved to be prayerful people in 2023? I want to invite you to open up God's Word tonight. Turn to the book of 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles, and we're going to be in chapter 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I want to open up tonight with an account of a king by the name of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat. That did not and has not made our baby name list. Jehoshaphat. Go ahead and give it a shot. Try to say it. Jehoshaphat. It rolls right off the tongue, doesn't it? So if I stumble, you'll know, you'll know why. We're going to talk about this king by the name of Jehoshaphat tonight. And um, as you're turning there, I just want to kind of briefly explain the story that we're about to read together. So what takes place in this account that we're going to be reading is that Jehoshaphat, is, he's king of Judah. He's a very respected king. He is actually one of the good kings that are recorded in the Old Testament. There's a lot of different kings that are recorded in the Old Testament. Many of them are bad, like they did not follow the ways of God. And a few of them, a select handful, are good kings that did follow God and his law. And Jehoshaphat is one of those. He's a good leader. He's a good king. And what's going to take place very early on in this account is that Jehoshaphat is going to learn that there are enemy armies that are coming to attack the nation of Judah. 
And he is going to basically respond to those enemy armies uh, coming at him, trying to take over his land in prayer. He's going to respond in prayer. He's not going to respond in, uh, in, in like militarily, but he's going to respond by seeking God. And what you're going to see is that God gives them an incredible victory, so much so that they did not even have to raise a sword. We sang that song, Battle Belongs. This is the passage where that comes from. You'll see that in this account, Jehoshaphat learns that because he seeks God, the battle belongs to the Lord. So tonight, here's what I want to, uh, here's what I want to put in front of you. I want to give you four attributes of prayerful people. Four attributes of prayerful people. If we're going to resolve in 2023 to be prayerful people, here are four attributes that you need to have. And the first one is this, prayerful people seek God. Prayerful people seek God. Read with me in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I'm going to pick up reading in verse 1. It says, after this, the Moabites and Ammonites with some of the Meonites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It's already in Hazazon Tamar. That is in Gedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. So let's stop right there and let's talk about uh, that attribute that I gave you, that prayerful people seek God. Because we see that so plainly here. But I want you to put yourself in the shoes of Jehoshaphat, which it might be hard to do because there's a lot of historical differences and, and things like that. But when you're in the position of a king and enemy armies are coming to try to take the land that you rule, your inclination is going to be to do a few things. Like your first response would very likely be to start to gather your army. Uh, it would very likely be to start gathering the military to, to get all the troops together. Like you're, you're starting the draft. You're trying to fortify your defenses. You like they're in that time period. That's just kind of how they settled things. If you got angry with like an enemy territory, you just kind of killed them. And that was just how it worked. So Jehoshaphat totally could have done that. Uh, he also could have gotten really frustrated at God. Like that would have been a totally fine uh, response for him because if you were to flip back a few pages in scripture in chapter 17 of 2 Chronicles, you would learn that Jehoshaphat, he sought God in everything that he did. Like God gave him great success. So he could have been super frustrated at God because these enemy armies were coming to try to take something that was his. He also could have panicked. He could have freaked out. He could have uh, started to make rash decisions. He could have done all these things, but... According to scripture, he resolved to seek God, to inquire of God. Now, I sometimes like geek out about this original language stuff. I think it's the coolest thing ever. And this Hebrew word for where it says in our Bible, you might see inquire or seek. That Hebrew word, the literal definition of it means to be trampled underfoot. To be trampled underfoot. Now, you might hear that and you might go, okay, that does not make sense. Is it Jehoshaphat resolved to trample God under his feet? That is not how that reads at all. Let me kind of paint a picture for you and see if I can explain this word to you uh, in a different way. So 
one of the things that my wife and I like to do, like on our weekends, um, is we like to go on little hikes around our neighborhood. The place that we live, there's a lot of really cool hikes, and I have this app that like shows us the different hikes and stuff like that, and you can use it as like a GPS to make sure you know that you're you're following the trail, all this different stuff. So back in the fall, we discovered this hike that was in our uh, in our neighborhood, about 15 minutes from our house. It was this beautiful waterfall, and it had five-star reviews for this hike, but like only a few. So, I mean, we gave it a shot and we, we drive to the trailhead and it's kind of confusing. Like there's a trail, but it doesn't look like it's meant for hiking. It looks more like it's meant for driving. And so, you know, we start walking down this trail and as we go, we start to like, we get further and further into the woods. And, you know, to be honest with you, we start to realize like, we're fine, but this is like a redneck trail. This is not like a forest service went out and paved this thing for us and cleared all the trees. There's like orange stripes. Like some guy just went along the trail and was like, shh, shh, so that we could, you know, know where we were. Spray paint, right? And uh, we're walking on this trail, and the further we get, it's like the thicker the forest gets, the deeper into the woods we are. And finally, we get to this point. You know, I'm using this app to, to navigate, and we're, we're right. I mean, we're tracking. We're right where we're supposed to be. But we look up and look around, and we're not on a trail. We're just, like, in the forest. No cell service. My car is miles from us at this point, and we're just out there. Like, the, there's not even orange spray paint. We're just lost. And so Aaliyah immediately begins to encourage me, you know, How's that app doing now? It's a pretty, pretty cool app, huh? You got there, yeah. Exactly, yeah. I knew you should have turned back here where I said you should turn. So she just immediately starts uh, encouraging me in all sorts of ways. And um, I- I'm looking at this app, and literally what we end up having to do is we-, we follow this thing, and we're like bushwhacking our way all the way to this waterfall. And we finally get to this waterfall, and it's awesome. And we realize, as we often do, that my wife was right. There was a trail that we were supposed to turn on that I didn't, the app didn't tell you about. And um, the trail that we could have turned on is the one that we took back to get to the car. And it was so much easier. It was so much easier. And let me tell you why. Because when we followed that app through the forest, that was not a well-traveled path. But that trail that, that people actually walk often, it had been trampled underfoot. Like the grass and, and, and the, the things that grew, like the undergrowth, had all been beaten down because it was so well traveled. It was cleared. You get the picture that's being painted here? Like when, it, when the Bible talks about how Jehoshaphat resolved to seek God, it's literally painting a picture that this was not just a one-time thing. He wasn't just like, oh no, something's wrong. I need to go to God in prayer. It was like, no, he, he was a person who resolved that he was going to make that path to God in his life a path that he traveled often. And the cool thing about that is the more that those paths are traveled, the more it clears. The easier it is to walk down again and again and again. How well-worn is the path to God in your life? Like, is it overgrown? Is, is it like you're in the middle of the wilderness? Is it not a path that you travel often? I, I used to get frustrated with prayer because prayer to me used to feel really awkward and really empty. Like at that time in my life, prayer, it was like plan B. 
It was like, man, if something bad happened, I was going to the Lord in prayer, but that was kind of, that was kind of it. And since I have made the decision to not make prayer plan B, but plan A, like not a last resort, but a first resort, since I've done that, everything has changed. Like what has happened is that over time, God has proven to me his faithfulness. Like I have seen it over and over, and it's this process of continuously walking down that path, and that path becomes easier and, e- and easier, and no longer does it feel awkward and empty, but like it feels, it feels like something that's changing me because it's well-traveled. What takes place is that you continually learn to enjoy prayer more. Over time, you you learn to enjoy prayer more because you learn to trust God more. See, for Jehoshaphat, prayer was the first place that he turned. It was not a last resort. That path was well-worn. And I know for us that that path doesn't always look well-worn. It oftentimes looks really grown up. And the reason, what we would probably say, many of us in here, is busyness. Right? Like, y'all are college students, you got classes, and you got to study, you got tests, you got girlfriends, you got boyfriends, you, you got intramurals, you got all these different things that are fighting for your time, and so busyness keeps you from walking down that path. But another way to say that is not busyness, it's idolatry. See, what's taking place is something is becoming more important in your life than spending time with the creator of the universe that deserves first place in your life. And that is not busyness. That is idolatry. Nothing deserves that, that seat. And, and so for many of you, maybe prayer feels difficult because that path has become overgrown. And it's, it's busyness. It's idolatry that's keeping you from it. But, but I'm telling you, if you it, prayerful people, they seek God often. And as you walk that path over and over again, you will see that the Lord will change your heart and he will prove to you his faithfulness and prayer will be something no longer that, that, you, that you tolerate. It will become something that you crave. Because Jehoshaphat sought after God so often, prayer was second nature to him. He put prayer first. He realized that he could do some things after he prayed to help his situation, but he could not do anything worthwhile before he prayed. And that's the place that we have to get to. Prayerful people seek God. Not only do prayerful people seek God, but prayerful people know God. Prayerful people know God. Let's start reading in in verse 9. It says, Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, this is Jehoshaphat's prayer, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress and you will hear us and save us. So, so let's stop reading there. That's about three quarters of the way through Jehoshaphat's prayer, but this is kind of an interesting way to begin praying. 
So Jehoshaphat, at this point, he's gathered everyone, like people came from all over to seek God, and Jehoshaphat has now gathered them all together. He's gotten to a high place, and he's now praying for the entire kingdom. And his prayer is not something, it's probably not what you would expect. The focus of his prayer, at least initially, is not the problem that he's facing. It's not, Lord, there, there are enemies uh, that, are, that are trying to rise up against us, that are trying to take over our land. We need you to help us. That's not at all where he begins. The main focus of his prayer is God himself. That's where he starts. And what's clear through that is that Jehoshaphat knows God. And, and the fact that he knows God informs how he prays. See, prayerful people know God. There is a clear correlation between your prayer life and your relationship with your heavenly father. As you know God more, your prayer life will get so much better. I think back, so I can actually remember the first time that I ever saw my wife, then nothing to me, but I remember the first time that I, that I literally laid eyes on her. I was in like 12th grade. It was the summer of 11th grade to 12th grade. Now, I was at my church. I could literally take you to the, uh, the pew that I was sitting in. We were about to go to youth camp, and she walked right in front of me, and I can literally remember it. And I remember thinking, man, she is very attractive. And you see what, what the story brought along. Look at that. Um, but I remember in that moment just thinking, like, man, she's so beautiful. And, and you know, eventually down the road, we would date, get married. Uh, but... I want you to like, think about this. If in that moment, when I first laid eyes on her, like if wedding bells would have taken place, like we would have gotten uh, married in that moment, how good do you think our relationship would have gone? Considering she had never like, spoken to me before. It probably wouldn't have gone very well, right? Especially compared to the marriage, the relationship that we have now. Like, those would be two completely different pictures. Why? Because now, at this point in our, in our marriage, we've been together for like, gosh, eight, nine years, not married, but like we, we dated for forever. We've been married for, August will be four years. I hope that's right. I'm, yeah, it's just hard to do. Yep, there we go. Um, <laughs> like, we have, we've, been, we've been through some things. There's a history there. Like now I know her on a deeper level. And because of that, our love for one another can be so much stronger because of the fact that we know each other. And it's the same way with God. It's the same way with our prayer life. The more you know God, the more deeply you can love him. The better your conversations with him will get. And it's clear through Jehoshaphat's prayer here that he knows God, one, because he's literally praying the scriptures. Like he's referring to things that took place in the Old Testament. But there's also clearly like some history there. Like Jehoshaphat and God had been through some stuff. And it's clear that his prayer life is so deep because of that. If your prayer life is stale, like, like if, if you feel like, man, when you pray, they get about as far as the ceiling and then they float back down. It might be because it's not intertwined with an actual growing, deepening relationship with God. It, it could be. I mean, you've probably heard before that, that more than anything, prayer changes you. You, you guys have probably heard that before. If, if you've grown up in church, like you've probably heard that. But Maybe like you've heard it, but you're not experiencing it. 
And you're someone that prays a lot. But here's the thing. You can be someone who prays a lot, but prayer does not change you because you're praying to a God that you don't really know. Like, you have to get to the place where you are constantly seeking to deepen your knowledge of God, and it begins to change the way that you pray, and it, be- it begins to change your prayer life. Like, how much harder is it to communicate with somebody that you don't even know? You know, like, how flattering would it be to my wife if I was like, Aaliyah, you have beautiful red hair and brown eyes. You know, that would not flatter her at all. I'd probably get smacked. And the reason is because she has brown hair and she has blue eyes. It's completely different, right? If you, the, if you don't know someone, it's so much more difficult to communicate. And so prayerful people know God. Maybe you've been frustrated because it feels like, man, if I pray, when I pray, like it doesn't even feel like God's listening. Well, again, if you don't know God, if you don't like really, if you're not deepening your knowledge of him and who he is and his character and what he's like, it may be that you're like, maybe you're asking him things that are contrary to, to who he is, that go against his character, that go against his attributes. It may also be that you lack the framework to discern for yourself what he's saying back. Like he wants to respond, but because you don't spend time in his word seeking to know him, you don't have the framework to discern what it is that he's telling you. Prayerful people know God. And when you know God, it informs how you talk to him. You notice Jehoshaphat, he spent like the the first three quarters of his prayer just telling God who he is. The fact that he knows God changed everything about the way that he prayed. Like, he did not do that to, to remind God, like, God, remember, you made this promise back to our ancestors. It wasn't like to remind God of anything. It was to remind him. This is something that I've really tried to incorporate into my prayer life. And man, I'm growing. I'm learning to enjoy prayer more continually. But this is something that has changed the game for me. Like I have began when I prayed to to do this, to tell God who he is. And and it's not because God like forgets. It's because I forget. And and it puts me in a posture uh, of prayer, of understanding that I'm not just talking to another person. And so I I start praying by by saying, like, Lord, you are compassionate, you're gracious, you're slow to anger, you're abounding in love and faithfulness, because that's what it says in his word. That's what he says about himself. And and so when you know God, you can start there. And, And it will change everything about the way that you pray. It's no coincidence that when the disciples in the New Testament asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, it's no coincidence that Jesus started that prayer by saying, our Father who art in heaven. Does that ring a bell to you? Like that's, That is where Jesus started, right? He said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Jesus started by saying, we begin with who God is in relationship to us. We have to know that. Where is he seated? In heaven. What does that mean? He's transcendent. What does that mean? That we don't just approach him like we approach a regular person. And that right there, just that little knowledge of God changes everything about the way that we pray. We realize that God is to be valued and respected, but he's also in heaven. Yet he's our father. Therefore, he's, he's transcendent. He's above all else, but he's personal. Like, 
the depths of your knowledge of God brings about new depths in your prayer life. It changes everything. Prayerful people know God. But prayerful people also, not only do they seek God, not only do they know God, but they also need God. Prayerful people need God. Look in verse 10. It says in verse 10, this is the, the, the like grand finale of Jehoshaphat's prayer. He says, But now here are men from Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. Pay attention to this next sentence. This is awesome. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Like, that one sentence can, sentence can preach for itself. Notice, notice the shift in this prayer. He went from talking about who God is to, to now he's facing that problem that was at hand, right? And, and I want you to like see this from the context of, of when it was written. Like at that time, remember Jehoshaphat is a king, like the top dog in the land of Judah. And for a king to get to the point where he says, I don't know what to do. Like that's a big deal. Because back in that time, like, kings were pretty proud people. They were proud because they had a reputation to uphold. Like, if somebody didn't like them, they'd kill them. And, and as long as they upheld that reputation, they were good. So it was not a wise political move at all for Jehoshaphat to stand in front of, like, all these people that he reigned over and go, I got nothing. I have no answers. I don't know where to turn. I don't know what to do. But God, our eyes are on you. Like, that was, that was a huge deal. So he humbles himself before all of his people, and he openly admits, God, I have nothing to offer. Here's what, what we have to make note of there. We cannot be prayerful people without humility. Like, the act of praying itself literally says, God, I need you, right? Like, to go to God at all is to say, there is something about me that is inadequate, and God, I need you. So, so just the, the act of prayer in general is a humbling thing. So without humility, without, without needing God, we can't be prayerful people. We've all been in a situation where uh, we prayed because there was nowhere else to turn, right? Like, man, something happened, it, it, like a, a bad, bad news from, for, about a family member, like relationship drama, like you just don't know where else to turn. I didn't study for the test I was supposed to study for. Lord, please give me these answers and just put them right here. Uh, like we've all been there, right? Where we didn't know where else to turn. And, and so we prayed. Here's the interesting thing. This is not one of those situations for Jehoshaphat. You might read it and, and see like, oh, he's alarmed and, and like people are coming from everywhere. But that's, this is not one of those situations for him. And this is so interesting. And, and I'm telling you, it, it changes everything about prayer. See, what's interesting about Jehoshaphat is that like he is an incredible military leader. Like at this time, Judah was like very fortified militarily. It talks about it in 2 Chronicles 17 that when Jehoshaphat took over, their military got really, really strong. So this is not at all 
one of those instances where it's like, I don't know what to do. Like, there's nothing, like, I have nothing to bring to the table. He, he says it, but it's really not. Like, he could have done something about it. He could have gathered his forces and put up a good fight. But notice the posture that he takes. God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. Here's, here's what's interesting. Even in his gifting, he says that he needs God. Even in an area where God has uniquely wired and gifted him, he gets to a place where he says, I have nothing to offer, God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. I don't know about you guys, but like, I don't often think to go to God out of need in an area that he is like uniquely wired and gifted me. Like, that, that is a big deal. See, we've all been given gifts. And, and one of the traps or the, the snares that comes alongside of our gifting is the, the ability or the desire to boast. Like, to think that we have what it takes. Like, it's a serious danger. It's a serious pitfall. Like, one area of, of my life that, that, this, that this happens to me is like with speaking, right? Like this is something that I feel like the Lord has, has wired me to do. It's something that I feel like he's given me talents in. Uh, and so what often takes place in my mind, in my heart, is I can get arrogant. Like, like I can get to the place where I'm like, Lord, you, you've gifted me to do this. You've, you've given me the, the talent, so I'm just going to go do it. And I, I don't go to the Lord. I don't get to a place where I need him. I forget, like, he's literally the one that gave me my mouth in the first place, right? Like, our gifting comes from him. And so, like, the thing that I've learned is that when I depend on the Lord and I ask him to meet me, even in areas that I'm, that I'm gifted, that he's, like, wired me for, like, when I depend on him and I ask him to meet me there, it transcends just simply being gifted. Like the result is something that is far better than, than I could imagine or that I could have produced on my own. We lean too heavily on our natural abilities than God's supernatural help. Even in areas that you're gifted, you need God just as much as in that moment where you do not know where else to turn. In that moment for Jehoshaphat, man, like an area where his gifting would have gotten him pretty far. God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. Prayerful people need God. I don't know what areas God has gifted you, but even in your gifts, pray. If it's serving, the Lord's equipped you to serve, man. Before you serve, pray. When you're serving, pray. After you serve, pray. Even in your gifts. Let me read for you the next two verses. I've got one more attribute for you. It says, All the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite and descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. So what's taking place here is that God is about to speak through someone else. Like, Literally, this, this man, Jehaziel, ha has come to a place where God has given him the answer to this prayer that Jehoshaphat has prayed. 
And what Jehaziel is going to say to everyone, I'm just going to summarize it for you. We're not going to, to jump into it because we don't have time to read it all. But he's basically going to lay out for them a plan. God, through Jehaziel, says, hey, this battle, this belongs to me. You, you've come to me, I, I have heard you, and this battle is mine. It belongs to me, and so I'm going to give you the victory. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to march on, in, on the enemies. I want you to go to them, I want you to take up position, and I want you to be ready, not to fight, but to win. This battle belongs to me. And so that, that is what he says, and we're going to jump into verse 20. We're going to see what the response is. It says, early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. Not Georgia, Tekoa, somewhere far. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem, have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. The Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. Here's the fourth attribute of prayerful people. We're going to end with this attribute. Prayerful people trust God. Prayerful people trust God. That's what Jehoshaphat does here. He trusts God so much, God told him, hey, you're not going to have to fight. I just want you to go. So what does Jehoshaphat do? He gets the worship team together. And he's like, y'all go on ahead. Get, get in front. You're, you're playing your, your tambourines, your triangles, your electric guitars. Like He sends them out ahead, and they start singing as they approach the enemy. Now, if this room of people, if we're faced with a battle, like zombie apocalypse has happened, and we have to go fight, we're probably not sending this crew first. Don't tell them that. But maybe Mitch. I mean, Tank. Yeah, that's right. And Trey. Yes, Trey. Good. Um, that's probably not going to be where we start, right? But that's what they do. They march into this battle. They put the people with instruments out front. And that's, that's how they approach this battle. See, this made no logical sense, but here's what's going on. Jehoshaphat trusted God. What most of us would have probably done is we would have either said, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not marching towards them. Or we would have said, I want out. Like, this is, we're, we're, we're done with this. Tell you what, God, I, I have some ideas. We would have probably come to God with, with like our agenda as we prayed. But that's not at all what Jehoshaphat did. He trusted God enough that he didn't come to God with a list of plans. He came to him ready to listen and do what he said. See, many of us in our prayer life, I wonder if we don't hear from God because we don't approach him in such a way that we're ready to listen and then do what he says. More so, we approach him with like a list of things that we think are best, a list of things that we think need to be done. And we don't approach him with a posture of God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. You tell me what it is and I will do it. 
I remember for me, this was a big thing when I was trying to discern what I wanted to do in life. Like, you know, I was in high school and the time came around. Everybody was asking me, um, like, what what are you going to major in? And I did not know. Uh, Before I felt like the Lord was calling me to ministry, I wanted to be a cop. So that would have been crazy. Um, Yeah, I know, right? Um, And so I, I wanted to do, like, you know, law enforcement, something like that. And so, like, my prayers were like, Lord, I really want to be a police officer. And, like, FBI, if you want to do that, that's cool. I watched a lot of criminal minds. And so, um, like, Lord, just help me, like, put me in the place that I need to be to be the best police officer that I can be. Like, uh, give, you know, put me in the right school, whatever it is. And that was my prayer. And I remember oftentimes being so frustrated because I felt like I was getting nowhere. Here's the problem. My prayer was, Lord, here's my will for my life. Now, why don't you take your will and bring it into alignment with mine? And that's not what prayer is. What prayer is, is, God, would you show me what your will is? Would you show me what you want for my life? Would you show me where you want me to go? And, and, and God, would you bring my will into alignment with yours? And I'm going to trust you. No matter what it is, I'm ready to hear what you say, and I'm ready to put it into practice. God, what would you have me do? So how do you approach God when you pray? Lots of people, when they first start trying to pray, uh, they don't know what to say. Like, like, they don't even know where to begin. That principle gives you, like, all, like hours of prayer. Because here's what you start to do. You just start to list out some different elements of your life. And you say, Lord, uh, let's take, like, spouse, future spouse, for example. I don't know who it is that you want. I don't know how it is that you uh, want me to find her or him. But God, would you bring my will into alignment with yours? And then you move on to the next thing, my my future job. Lord, I don't know what it is that you want me to do. I don't know what it is that you're going to have for me. But my eyes are on you. Would you bring my will into alignment with yours? It it, it could be anything. Lord, I I don't know what program, like what school you want me to go to for this program that that I'm, you know, going to get accepted to, whatever it is. I don't know what it is, but God, would you bring my will into alignment with yours? I mean, that, that'll get you hours down the road in, in prayer. And so it's a great place to start. Prayerful people trust God. I want to invite the band to come back up, and we're going we're gonna to land the plane. What takes place as this, as this story concludes, we're not going to read it, Basically, as you, as you gathered, maybe through reading those verses, what happened was God caused all those enemy armies to start fighting each other. So the, the people of Judah roll up to the battlefield and like battles won. End of story. The battle belonged to the Lord, just like we sang earlier. And the Bible tells us that it was such an incredible victory. That literally the people of Judah, they collected spoils. Like, like they collected uh, treasures and things that belonged to the enemy army so much that it took them three whole days to get it all and get it back to their land. Like God showed up, not just like showed up, but showed up in a God-sized way. Unbelievable. And so I go back to that question that we started all of this with. Not what was your favorite Christmas gift, but 
What could God do? What could God do? What could God do in a room this size if every single one of us made the decision that we're going to be prayerful people? What could God do? I have a challenge that I want to put in front of you. I'm super excited about it, and and we're going to answer that question. What could God do? We're going to see what God can do, if y'all are down for this. So, was thinking like, man, what is a way that we can immediately apply this, this content that we've been walking through as we go home? Like, what's a way that we can immediately put it into practice? I never want to preach in such a way that, like, I just give you guys some good things to think about, and then, you know, like, you don't do anything with it, right? Like, I want to give you something practical. And so, what we kind of came up with was this challenge that we want to put in front of all of you, that we're going to be prayerful people in 2023, and it starts tomorrow. And here's how we're going to do it. What could God do if all of us, over the course of the next week, prayed for revive this semester nonstop over the course of the next seven days like until we're in this room again together what could God do if we prayed nonstop now you're probably going I don't want to do that that sounds very difficult so here's how we're going to do it maybe you notice when you walked in on the wall over here y'all can turn and look there are two posters that are on the wall and uh What we did was we took a 24-hour day. There's an AM poster and a PM poster. And we basically divided a 24-hour day into 24 one-hour blocks. And under each of those blocks, there are five lines. More than enough lines for every person in this room. And what the challenge is, is that by filling out your name, by writing your name in one of those lines, you're committing to pray for five minutes during that hour every single day for the next week. You're not praying for the full hour. You're also not just praying tomorrow. You're saying, if you write your name on the 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. line, you're saying, I'm going to take five minutes every single day for the next week to pray for revive and what the Lord is going to do this semester for five minutes from 3 to 4 p.m. Does that make sense? What could God do? Like, if all of us took that challenge, every single one of those lines would be full, and you're probably going, wait a second, is there a 3 a.m. to 4 a.m. box? Yes, there is. And I know that y'all sit up playing Modern Warfare during that time, so just press the pause button. And I need some guys, or some ladies, to take some of those early morning spots. Like, set an alarm on your phone, we're going to figure it out. But what could God do if we covered the next seven days in prayer over this semester and what takes place through this ministry. Like, I firmly believe that if God could do this, if he could cause an enemy army through a prayer of one man to, to destroy one another, to give enough like spoils for three days, he's going to do something that shatters our expectations. So my question for you is, are you up for the challenge? On your way out the door, there's some Sharpies on that table. And I want to invite you to sign your name under one of those slots. Our leadership team has already gone ahead of you. They, they have taken up some slots. I asked them to take some of the slots that like most people would not take. But I need some guys who are willing to step up as men and take some of those early morning spots. I, I need some, some ladies who are willing to step up and take like multiple slots because y'all are just prayer warriors, right? Like 
We want to see the Lord do some incredible things through this, and I believe that he will. So are you all up for the challenge? That's my question. All right, are you all up for the challenge? That's what we like to hear. I can't wait to see what the Lord's going to do. Hey, let me pray for us. Prayerful people. That's what we're resolving to be in 2023. Father, we love you. And God, we're so grateful that you give us an opportunity to speak to you, to hear from you. I pray, Lord, that you would move in a powerful way this semester and that it would all come from the prayers of your people. God, we're so grateful that you hear us, that you know us, that you desire a relationship with us. And Father, I pray that you would uh, let today be the beginning of hundreds of prayer lives that absolutely shape individuals for your kingdom. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Y'all stand, we'll worship together.